Quest Beyond. Carl, Ryan, and Sam review the new movies you may want to see and talk a little news along the way. Venture with them for The Quest Beyond. We are live with, as the tweet says, the one and only Rob Keys. Welcome, Rob. We can't really hide who's with us when it's online. (laughs) Yeah, it's different. There's no it's, surprise. Well, th- thank you for having me again. This is my third, I want to say third time maybe. This but is I remember your third, yes. My very first time, I'm like, you guys should do video. You're great on video, do video. And here we are. We're on video. So. We are here, yes. You've been slightly overtaken by Molly. She's She's been on the show four times. Ooh, nice yes. score. Yes. So the okay. Marvel man himself is here, but we're not here to talk about Hawkeye. Oh, he's got his TVA cup. From I actually Loki. just ordered a, a, a Loki Funko Pop. Which we're going to be, I'm, I, I might as well mention it now, at the end of the year, so in our Spider-Man No Way Home episode, we're going to be giving away a Marvel prize pack. So it's Ooh. going to include some things I'm not going to say, but the other things I can say is a What If poster, as well as a Loki in the TVA jacket that Rob Keese himself actually owns. I don't know if he oh, gave yeah. that to somebody else, but you do have one. I have the TVA jacket that Loki wears. But yes. I, the what if poster, I just I just recycled it. I have a what if like zombies. I wish I knew. I would have given cool. it to you. <laughs> uh, not a problem. And so yeah, those are parts of the 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 giveaway that I'm able to mention. It's uh it's funny because our last giveaway we did was a digital copy of a Quiet Place one and mod of your channel, uh, tw- uh Fail Cube on Twitch as uh, well as a frequent viewer of our Twitch channel twitch.tv slash thequestbeyond. If you're watching live. Moon won the uh, giveaway for A Quiet Place and I believe gave it to his daughter. So that was pretty oh, exciting. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah. So as you can see, Sam, unfortunately, is not here with us. Uh, Ryan continues on his hiatus. Hi, Moon. Shout out. Um, so unfortunately, he won't be able to join us. But Rob was able to find time in his busy battlefield 2042 <laughs> open beta is it part of the pre-order is right now yeah so the the beta, the total beta is four days but the mm-hmm. first two days are only if you pre-order to get the extra early access oh, okay so yeah so we're we're gonna try to i didn't even say what we're doing we Mar, why is rob here we are talking about venom let there be carnage the ultimate 90s movie that might be giving away how i feel about it uh early and depending <laughs> on if how much time i waste of rob's we may have time for the game of thrones house of blood launch trailer and the first i guess it's a set photo essentially of transformers rise of the beasts which cool uh, growing up in the 90s i keep wanting to just call it beast wars and i don't know why they didn't just call it the beast wars maybe it's because there's going to be a trilogy that's a lot of random speculation on my part true so who knows we'll see but i guess with that let's just get into the review of venom let there be carnage Now, before we jump into the review of the sequel, Rob, because this show didn't exist in any form to my knowledge. No, we definitely didn't. What did you think (laughs) of Venom 2018? I believe there is a random other movie named Venom that has nothing to do with the Marvel character, the Lethal Protector, as he's known in some form. So so how did you feel about the first film? The first Tom Hardy one. Um, Yes. Okay. <laughs> Disclaimer. I saw the first one at New York Comic Con in like 
D box or 40 X or something. So, you know, it's not a normal viewing experience because you're in a chair that like shoots you to the left and right and sprays water and wind in your face. And like, and sometimes like there's a sequence on a motorcycle in the first one, if you recall, and like the seat would just beat you up like physically. And it's like, mm-hmm. it was very off putting at the same time. It was kind of wild and hilarious, but, uh, which kind of describes the movie. I felt like I was being beaten around as a fan, but it was also kind of hilarious. Um, not something I'd rewatch or re-experience though, right? So I think you, you used the analogy of like, this is a 90s type movie. The first one very much was that. And I was okay with that. It was cool to see something a little different. Um, it, it, it's also a weird time. If you go back to 2018 when that came out, it was a time when like, it, they were kind of doing it separate. Uh, it, no one really knew what Sony was doing. It was unclear on Spider-Man's future, like with the, the whole Disney, Sony, all that kind of stuff. So it was a very weird time as well. Um, but it was fun enough to watch once and give him another shot. Like I like Tom Hardy, he gave it his all. I would say in that movie. Um, oh, did the he? Vi- <laughs> the villains and the origin story—they kind of just like they—they they really underdelivered and all that stuff. But like in, in terms of creating Venom on his own without anybody else's universe and Tom Hardy doing it, it was good enough to bring us to where we are talking about a sequel today, right? So that's where I'll leave it. I think you brought up a lot of great points. I remember vividly when they announced the film because by that point we had had Tom Holland in, I think it was October. So he'd been in three of the MCU films by that point, right? He'd been Civil War, Homecoming would have come out, and Infinity War was 2018. It was that summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And making a Venom movie completely devoid of Spider-Man and of all of that, right? All, all those events. All of yeah. it, yeah. And so it was Tom Hardy physically fits the role more than I think uh, our previous live action Venom did. Poor Topher Grace. He's got home <laughs> economics. He's okay. You mean and Christopher, who changed his name to Topher? That is true. You know what? I, he mentioned that in a podcast that I, I'd heard. So that was very, I didn't know that. Wow. I just, Hollywood has all sorts. I, Gwyneth Paltrow's daughter is named Apple. So anything is possible. Well, you are now Isle and I'm Bert. So here we go. <laughs> no, wouldn't you just be Ob? Because you yeah. don't go by Robert. Oh, We've true. Been over this. True, true, true. Just I want to my syllables a little. Ob, Ob and Isle. <laughs> Ob and Isle are here. Um, but yes, we are here with Venom, Let There Be Carnage, a film that suffered delays like pretty much everything that was supposed to come out in the past 18 months and what i find really interesting before we get into kind of the gist of the film is i read something interest uh recently on screenrant.com friends of the show the site that rob works for and runs we'll just say runs and uh, sorry ben not sorry though he hasn't been on the show so if he wants to defend yeah, himself he can come later yeah ben come on explain to people what you actually do yeah and why are you still playing destiny 2 that's the real question (laughs) but i so what i read was that andy circus who directed this which is very interesting off of mowgli which is a film that i didn't particularly like but we knew what we had with venom one and he said that the effects were done weren't going to be done to his liking by the original release date which just sounds like sony in a nutshell (laughs) In terms of problems in general. But we are now here in, I guess it was October 1st, I believe was the, yeah, it was the 1st of October, 2021. And we're here with Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So we talked about the first one and how it was a 90s movie, maybe in the vein of Punisher or Blade One. There's nothing else. I love Blade One. 
I do like. How do you feel about? No, I don't want to. There's one day we will get to the blades <laughs> when we eventually That's a good topic, get though. the Maharsha Ali blade franchise, which needs to be rated R, and I will not accept a PG-13. And that may have affected this movie as well. It was something certainly people were talking about with the first film, which is how do you make a Venom movie PG-13? And Ruben Fleischer certainly tried. Was Andy Serkis successful in making a sequel? In your opinion, Rob? Uh. In the PG thirteen aspect, specifically? no, just sorry. In general, sorry. Your overall initial thoughts on, on oh, let there uh, be courage. Yeah, I think so. I, I had a good time watching this. It, I will say though, I like it a lot better than the first one. That's for sure. And maybe because I've already learned to accept this version of the character and the voice and the comedy b- duo between the, the you know the dynamic of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, on the PG thirteen part, I think that he's also su- su- successful. I think because the way they've turned Venom into the type of character he is in this, which is like a weird reluctant anti-hero which is kind of we knew that I was a plan from the get-go and what they've kind of converted him to many of the comic stories um that kind of works um but yeah it, it's weird I will say the first like 15 minutes are kind of like oh boy this is, this is a little cringe and, and like once you get past and accept the Venom dialogue a little bit and then once the movie starts branching out and you learn what Venom the symbiote is actually all about versus the Eddie Brock character it then it clicks right and that's kind of the only thing I I loved about the movie like it was it was the tom hardy show and every time the 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 sequences were involving woody harrelson's character or any of the supporting cast that's not a clock out it was just kind of like boring and by the numbers and from the plot to the villains to how that plays out it's very generic and forgettable and annoying because i want to see venom because you see when you see venom and eddie on screen or otherwise uh they are just wild and they go the sequences the subtle details um, of like just t- like Tom Hardy's character in his apartment dealing with a problem or walking through a hall in the PlayStation or doing anything the way the way he's got little mannerisms and little like you know he's uh, little nicks here and there and then the physical comedy aspect of it like th- th- it's crazy the the the, de- the attention to detail in those sequences are amazing and they did a really good job on the more subtle effects of Venom right I forget mm-hmm. the big brooding Venom when it's just Venom in a room with Tom or, or communicating they did a really good job with that it was it was hilarious and, and, and super well acted like and and knowing a reading up on how Tom like did the voices eat the morning each day and then played it back to himself and was kind of acting off himself like that guy's a I've already appreciated some of his many roles he's done and he's played duo characters before and what Legend was the name of that movie he plays, yes. His, yes he plays twins or whatever yep he does that other movie where he's like, it's like a one shot sequence when he's in a car by himself. I forget what it's called. Um, it's like a 90 minute movie. The entire movie is one sequence. He's it's not, you're not, is it Capone? No, no, that's, that's the Josh Trank movie. Um, right. No, no, I'm thinking well, of a movie. I thought where that was just, by, I thought that was Kevin Connolly. Kevin no, I'm, what am I thinking of? I don't know. Doesn't you're matter. thinking of, you're thinking of the Travolta film, the other one. That is it. You're you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking of. about it. Yeah, it's based on the other dude. Um, Neither are good movies. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, I haven't seen Capone yet. But uh, Hardy in this one, like one of his greatest performances, and and they actually maybe really like the Venom that dynamic to the point where like I definitely want to see another one. I want to see more of this character everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, the villain for, for all the hype for a decade and a half of like bring carnage to this big screen. And it's like, it was so just not worth it. Right. Not like, no, I would never recommend this as a a cool villain or put him on any top ranked list, you know? So I'm going to start with carnage because I think that's the perfect segue in that I find it very funny. And before I dive into this, I always have to preface this because I feel that Anytime I have any criticism of the MCU, it comes out that I hate it. There's a Shang-Chi poster, if you're watching the stream behind me, and I have I own every single film, even the ones I don't like, because I'm a completionist that way. Yes, yes. I own Thor The Dark World. <laughs> um, 
is that for a long time, in the early days of the MCU, it struggled with villain is the good guy, but bad. And Carnage, in its simplest form, is that. And unfortunately, it, that is the way that he is portrayed in this film. It's unfortunate because... Oh, thank you for the host. Uh, <laughs> it's Woody Harrelson, I feel, doesn't get to truly dive into being a serial killer. It felt very spark notes in terms of like watching Venom one set the bar for the ridiculousness moving forward. Lobster tank move on the face where he yells at the, his, uh, his neighbor for being too loud. Like the bar for <laughs> what audiences were clearly willing to accept is high. This film grossed almost $900 million good or bad. The quality of the film, it made money. And I was expecting balls to the wall, insanity. For all intensive purposes, Carnage is Jim Carrey on crack in the way that he's been portrayed in the comics. Heck, even in the Spider-Man the Animated Series, this is a completely unhinged character. And we get a small doses of that with Woody in the love story of him and another character. I don't believe it's necessarily teased in the trailer, so I don't want to spoil anything. But carnage so cletus cassidy is most woody harrelson is playing both roles but they are clearly distinct as well as eddie brock and venom but i don't feel that this film with it in the title truly establishes what carnage is about remotely he just argues with himself which is a classic two-headed monster with both eddie brock and venom and vice versa even Spider-Man, when whose event who had the symbiote in the Secret Wars, and that was, is what led to the creation of this character to begin with, there's always an internal monologue arguing going on. Right? It's two, two, two minds in one. And I couldn't tell you anything about Carnage at all, outside of the fact that he's red, he likes to stab things, and he's red. Like, there's very little to that character in in that Cletus Cassidy gets all the major talking. I couldn't tell you what Carnage really sounds like, which is the big failure of the film when you have your villain in the title. Like, it's a good thing Thor, as an example, is not called Thor fights the Dark Elves. I mean, it's close, but it's it doesn't dive truly into that. I'm having a really hard time remembering the name of Christopher Eccleston's character off the top of my head. Malekith? Yeah, that is. There it is. Done. All right. Okay. Good job, actually. <laughs> I did, that's my first Marvel set visit, and I completely wiped it from my mind. So. I mean, so did Patty Jenkins. Oh, oh, never mind. She didn't make that movie. Um, Alan Taylor, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> eventually, I think we're going to be reviewing the Saints, of, the many Saints of Newark, but this got mm. bumped back up, so we're going to do this, and I can't do a Sopranos review without Sam. So, like you said earlier, the odd couple nature, which is how everyone is describing it, it's not a new thing. Jack Lemon and... I can't remember the name of the other guy. <laughs> I should be able to remember the name of the other guy. Mr. Wilson from the 190s Dennis the Menace. That is their relationship. We got pieces of it in the first one, and it is the thing that everybody attached themselves to. Memes are done about it. There are Tumblr pages. People that we know 
are constantly talking about how much they loved it. And that's when this movie's the best. The relationship between the two of them and even the divergence of their paths throughout the film. Yeah. Is really, really fun. I think Michelle Williams is clearly having a really good time. That's fine. Is this... Can we talk about that for a second? Absolutely. In the first movie, she felt almost out of place a little bit, yep. I thought. In this one, they don't. she's less screen time. But when she's there, she's like owning the screen. Like you know, yeah. They gave her... They bumped up. Even uh, Dan or whatever, the... the you know, yeah. the, uh, Matt returning. Rigg, I believe, is his name. Yeah, who I know from uh, Veep, Reed right? Scott. Reed Scott. Yes, he's from Veep. Yeah, he's so great. The, the two of them, they used them so well. They didn't overdo it, but they brought him in. It's not like a gimmick. They actually have a role to play. Yep, and it's well done. It, very well handled, handled by I think Andy Serkis in that front. Um, and I specifically want to bring that up because, like, when we get into spoilers later on, I want to talk about a little bit. But like, I think they had a some inner turmoil about how to use Carnage on screen and to balance that versus. Any yeah. story what that doesn't involve Carnage in the in the movie, you know what I mean? So, well, we it's mentioned interesting. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely. Wor- I'm looking forward to talking about without having to avoid any spoilers in particular. But I really felt the PG-13 nature in this film more than the last one because with oh god, Rampage, crap! God, I remember. It's like five of those things in the first. Yeah, movie. they're completely forgettable. What is? I mean, and we'll get into. Another character in spoilers. What is the name of that other symbiote? Uh, Riot. Sorry, pick a oh, yeah. 90s Jeez. BMX word and you <laughs> figure out what it is. Um, no, I totally agree. I think she felt it's this is a complete ridiculous connection but if people will follow with me she felt like elizabeth berkeley in showgirls where everyone else in showgirls knows what they're in and elizabeth berkeley's like no this can be my big breakout from uh, beverly hills 90210 it was not Mm. but in the last film she's like i make prestige movies like michelle williams is an academy award-winning actress amongst like some award-winning people but they knew what they were in I'd still love to see, like, if there's a Tom Hardy cut of the first one. Regardless. But you're right. They totally use them effectively. Like, Dan's just complete acceptance of the insane world in which he lives in now is alone (laughs) so entertaining. There's a clip of where he mentions that they need couples therapy, and it's fun. And even the convenience store owner, she's great. But, yeah, it this film feels like they learned a lot of what we liked, but then... The fact that this movie is an hour and 40 minutes really gives no time for anything else. True. That's a good point. It. I was glad it was short because I kind of knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. And part of me is like, well, we, we really could have had the Carnage story the same way we got it. Even going back to like the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, like when they show Carnage, I vividly remember how like creepy and, and evil that character was. And they gave oh, yeah. him time. Like it was kind of started with his story. It was just done better. But like they tried to give you know woody or cletus a story in this one and it's like ah i don't care and it's like maybe it's his overacting maybe he was just miscast or maybe i just can't get over the wig he had in the first one um i would have almost been happier if they kept it for continuity purposes but i'm glad like it's so funny because the spider-man 90s cartoon i don't hold in high regard like we you and i do we've had conversations about this with batman and x-men because there have been better versions of spider-man since um i don't know if adam is watching live but i always do props so this is the best version of spider-man in cartoon form spectacular spider-man so if you're injured it's good for all ages i would say it is the animated series equivalent of spider-man in terms of batman or x-men what years did that run 
So that was 08 to 09. It, it was oh, the last man. Sony cartoon produced. The rights flipped back to Marvel. I can't remember what the minutia was exactly why that happened. But uh, the showrunner behind it, Greg Wiesman, was responsible for a show you probably loved as a kid, Gargoyles. Oh, Gargoyles is amazing. Yep. And then he went on to do Spectacular Spider-Man and Young Justice, which there has been brought was brought back from the dead after almost 10 years. Wow. Um but yeah, like what's so funny about the 90s version of the Carnage story, it was all wrapped in Dormammu and oh my god, what's the name? Uh Baron Mordo, like it was insane. There was no this okay, no I'm not going to say it cuz that was a spoiler. And uh <laughs> I, we should reference this, I guess. Naomi Harris is in this. Yes. Can we, are we, yeah, it's in the trailers, right? Can we talk yeah, about that? Yeah, she's in it. She's Shriek. Like, yeah, she's Shriek. <laughs> she's Which, Shriek. Yeah, they, they, show, they show the powers in the trailer and everything, so. Yeah. Um, and um, I don't think he's named, but there's uh, there's a cop. Because I can't actually, I don't think, say his name without it being a spoiler. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Stephen like, Graham like is in this. I liked him, yeah. too. He was good in this. But yeah, overall, it's... I would say my experience with Venom was exact Venom Let There Be Carnage was the same as Venom 1 where I'm like I had fun with this this is not a good movie <laughs> uh, I, I don't know I, I can't say it's bad either so it's somewhere in between you know um, I think it's fine like it rides the, I think in terms of establishing what they wanted to do Venom is successful I all the parts we talked about like that character yeah, I'm it, invested in now Here's the thing with with like the the like plethora of like you know the superhero movies we're getting in the PG thirteen realm, um, yep. and for Marvel especially, they, you know there's a lot of like generic tropes they use. That's why everyone the, the common criticism is like they're all kind of the same and they're, they're differentiating different ways. Mm-hmm. But the tone and the highs and lows are the, are the same. The character beats are very obvious, right? And yep. you know they can improve. Like you and I saw Shang Chi together, and it was like, man, this was a great movie. The soundtrack was killer. The action was so much better than I thought. But beat to beat, you know what's going on with each main character, right? And it's yep. kind of like, eh. So it it didn't it doesn't even though I love, I give that movie a high score if I were to score it, it's not a movie I'd be like that. I remember like crazy cool highs and lows. Whereas Venom, for all of its problems, like there's nothing like that Tom Hardy shit like in any other movie in the last ten years in theater. There's the, the the craziness of him on screen just fighting himself and arguing there's nothing like that anywhere it's crazy mm-hmm. it's hilarious it's exciting this is, we talked about dan the side character there's one sequence where he just like slaps him in the face and it's like the, i've never laughed so hard in like years in theater because he was so out of the blue and he's like you tom's face he's like i'm sorry <laughs> but it's like it's so funny how it's delivered and you're like you get it and like the way like the venom character and eddie are like switching how they react to dan and that's like such a a subplot of a subplot, but it mm-hmm. pops more than most moments in most other movies I've seen in a very long time, right? So the comedy feel works like, a lot better in this than you would think it would. A, a critic score would be like this is a six out of ten or whatever. I hate scores, but like um, you can you can skip it if you really want. No, to. no, I'll do. I'll do I'll play, I'm gonna play ball. I always play ball. I'm not a coward. I'm just saying, hey, scores for this reason because like this movie's like oh, it's a six out of ten versus an eight out of ten. But I'd probably recommend this more than most eight out of ten movies I've seen in the last couple of years because like I think people are going to get more out of this and get more out of Venom and Eddie and all that stuff and it's going to be they're going to have greater memories and be more entertained from that than most things they're going to see I interesting en- I enjoy Tom Hardy talking to himself comedically than I do 
This is going to be, I'm waiting for it. If, if people are watching live on chat, I prefer that than killed hype moments in like a Thor Ragnarok. As an example, like I can rewatch Tom Hardy yelling at himself or Venom yelling in his head. Then as an example, um, Mark Ruffalo falling face first into the Bifrost. Oh yeah. I mean, I think Ruffalo's Hulk is a, just another whole problem with that franchise, but yeah, I see, I see what you're saying. Um, but yeah, even like Spider-Man Far From Home, which is a pretty solid movie, like there's mm-hmm. nothing like Venom in that, right? Like no. there's like, and I, I see, I see Venom. When I see Venom, I mean like Eddie interacting with Venom, right? Yeah. Um, nothing, right? So even though all the rest of the characters and supporting cast and are done better, but it's very, you know, it's it's solid, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have that special thing. And I, oh, maybe Jake Gyllenhaal's moments, but right, but it's it's not like Venom and Eddie. They found something real special, and they've overcame a lot of hurdles and a lot of like negative expectations going into that first one. And oh, even yeah. though the first one's not even that good, they hit a home run internationally. And they Andy Serkis came in and did something did something I think really special with that character and most of the supporting characters. I think the only thing I think the the plot and the villains is where they dropped the ball. And I think I think. I wonder how I'm going to feel about this. Uh, you and I, like, going back on this in like a year or two and just, you know, how we well, feel about it. There's a lot that happens without, we can't say anything, but that's true. Like the this pocket of the, what was used to be called, and I put it on the, on the tweet, the Spider-Man, no, the Sony. Marvel Universe. Marvel Universe of Spider, the Sony Universe of Spider-Man, whatever the hell they're calling it. No, Spider-Man no, no. They, they literally emailed me to correct me one time. It's the Sony oh, Marvel Universe. Yeah. So the SMU. Yep. Okay, so the SMU <laughs> is things are going to be different moving forward. And I would say out of the, all the comic books, movies we've had, like you mentioned, in the last 10 years, I don't think anyone is as committed as Tom Hardy is. Yeah. That's uh, what makes this special. <laughs> I'm so back and forth on him because like, he really is talented. When you, it's, it's, it's impossible to debate. And I'll say this. I have not seen Warrior. Uh, and my that man Joel Edgerton's in that, and he's one of my favorite actors of all time. Um, Uncle Owen, yeah, yeah, actually, um, <laughs> he's coming back, baby, right? Isn't he? Yeah, um, yeah, I believe so. For Obi Wan, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I need to see that movie. Um, but you know, I, I didn't love his Bane, for example, and the other big superhero thing he did. I, I thought his, I thought it was ridiculous. Um, but when I find it interesting that retroactively there hasn't been a lot of criticism of that. I mean, we could fall down a rabbit hole with Bane because it's a Latinx character, but um, let's- Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, aside from that though, just his performance and that character and the voice and all that all that craziness. So it's it's just, I don't know, it didn't work for me. Uh, and there are other stories, I don't want to get into the gossip, but there are other stories about what, what went into him building up with that role and that were kind of weird, but I, I don't know what's true and what's not when it comes to that. Hey, he played young Picard in Star Trek Insurrection. Which is a bad movie, but he was that in is it, true. Star Trek. Yes, so. and oh no, I'm thinking of a different Marvel actor. I almost said something, but it's John Bernthal. He that was is, what? So okay, did you watch How I Met Your Mother? I did. Okay, so I I love the show. So there is specifically it's oh Moon is saying it's Nemesis, not Insurrection. So I don't know if that's true or not. Oh, I, I'm I, sorry, it is Nemesis. Yeah, it's the one with the weird Romulans and all that yes. stuff. Good call. So Good call. in the second episode of How I Met Your Mother. Ted throws like four parties over the span of like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to try to make him seem casual with Robin because he said, I love you in in the pilot. And the entire episode, this girl keeps showing up and trying to hook up with Barney. She's like, oh, I'm friends with Carlos. 
and everyone's like, who is Carlos? And at the very end of the episode, it's John Bernthal with like wavy, like John Travolta that, um, staying alive hair. Wow. I, I don't remember this. In, it's incredible. It's just <laughs> worth it for that scene alone. But I could talk about Harmony <laughs> Mother all day. Let's get into the nitty gritty of what you said, and you're absolutely correct. The, the plot of Venom Let There Be Carnage. All right, we're in full spoiler territory. Yeah. Um, so, this, I would go through this beat by beat, but I honestly, I don't want to. So, I'll rapid fire through the main parts and then stop me uh, when there's anything you want to discuss. So, we're, we are shown a flashback of Shriek, whose name I don't remember. Oh, no. Oh, I had it because it's, is it, I believe it's J.B., no, FB, Francis. Francis and Cletus yeah, are both kids at this. Xavier school for the fucked up. Like uh, for all intents and purposes. And she's being she he makes her a ring out of cloth. She's taken away, and the cop in the escort is Patrick Mulligan who may be a character I didn't know about him till relatively recently because I've been reading a lot more of Venom's related comics because he I didn't read a ton in the 90s because I, we had I to, actually don't even yeah. know who this character is oh okay yeah so, you can, so give us a primer uh, oh, we're in full spoilers so he's a detective and he winds up uh, so in the comics uh, this part I'm sure you you know it Venom the symbiote gets pregnant and then that is what creates carnage, which is so. And the way the symbiote works, there's like Dragon Ball Z science behind it, which is so the symbiote got Peter's powers, but it multiplied. That's why Venom is stronger and can prevent Peter from having a spidey sense or the tingle in the MCU. I hate that. Um, <laughs> and then the Venom symbiote got pregnant and gave birth to Carnage. So Carnage, in as a uh, as a consequence, is stronger than Venom. Eventually, <laughs> Carnage got pregnant and gave birth to Toxin, who is mm. a red. It's it's a weird design. It's not good in my opinion. It's like a muted red top. And then like black legs, so it looks like if you're if you wore two different lycras or spandex at once, it's not a good look. But regardless, okay. so he's he is he started off as a straight antihero, and then throughout the run of the of the Marvel universe, he's he has moved more into hero, like teaming up with Peter a lot to fight the other because there's like all kinds of other symbiotes in the wait, wait who universe. the cop? Yeah, the cop. Okay. Yeah, he becomes toxin. Yeah. So uh, he is, shoots um, Francis Shriek right in the eye. Thinks she's dead. Okay, I know we're not supposed to overthink movies like this, but you didn't bother to like stop the car and go check. Like, there's no we're 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 never told why he doesn't know she's not dead. Oh yeah, my assumption was that like these people who are going after the people with 
abilities kind of picked yeah. her up and put her in the what, Ravencroft Institute was where she ended yes. up. So clearly this is some clandestine secret op. There's always or whatever. One. So they probably picked up the body and, and, you know, or, you know, they probably put her in a medic and they presumed. Yeah, you're her. probably right. They, they announced her dead and just took her, you know, took her away. They skip over a lot of beats like that because I think they realize like no one cares and they're right. Because uh, this character is like secondary to secondary, right? It's there to support the Cletus story, which on its own is like very under-delivered, I would say as well. Um, it's just not interesting. So Cletus's story is he was a murderer because he was abused. And while I don't want to feel like I'm skipping over that, I don't feel that they lean enough into him being a child of abuse. No, like it comes out of nowhere. It's like an off yeah. comment. He's like, sign. my family hit me, so I killed them. I'm like, okay, obviously child abuse is unacceptable. Yeah. But we didn't lean into the psychology of it. It for me feels as thro- as throw off as like young Loki killed Thor in Loki, and you're like, uh, like you're just left kind of holding a ball that they don't ever keep going with. Yeah, young Thor probably some like just like weak little kid in that universe. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, it's like a skinny or, or a Steve. complete asshole. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> I mean, all are so, aren't all Thor's assholes? Yeah, mostly, especially Party Thor, right? Um, yeah. What if reference? I have not seen the last two episodes, by the way, and I didn't even realize I missed them. That's where we're at. Um, you're okay, you're, what you're hitting on is the main point now. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't really delve into like the darker reasoning behind why mm-hmm. Cletus he is. So you don't really have the reason why he's like, he should be like on fire, this crazy psychotic villain. And they didn't lean too much into that. And I think because he's bouncing off a wild and crazy performance of Eddie and, and, and Venom, I almost think you would get more of the sympathy in that storyline and those undertones and make make you feel for that character more if he was the villain of a Spider-Man film. But because totally he's the agree. villain of a partial villain who is a way better offering a way better performance is a more interesting character and in a position where you feel like you're stealing screen time away from what we actually want to see they mm-hmm. have to kind of that's that's the whole inner inner battle of the of the of the of the script like how, how do you balance that how do you make this character make sense we have to offer a little bit of reason why he's killing his family members and for reference guys the in the movie you haven't seen it they use like little kind of illustrations on the screen to kind of show oh he Push his grandmother down the stairs. He killed his mom in a bathtub. And you're like, oh, this guy's a crazy psychotic killer for no reason. And then in some random comment to Eddie, Cletus says, you left out the part where I was abused. And they just never touch on it again. And it's like, well, if that was a Spider-Man movie, that would be like a second act reveal. And the rest of the movie, you'd see Cletus kind of have an inner battle with Carnage and like, you know, separate himself and Spider-Man would save the day. Cletus would sacrifice himself. That would be the Spider-Man way. Circa well, that's 2000s. the MCU phase three, four onward, right? Every Yo, villain. That's also the same Ra- same Raimi trilogy to a T yes. under under Sony. Now it's like this is the Venom universe, man, and you're stealing my time. We have to make this guy villain so we can get rid of him, and no one's gonna care. Go Venom, you know what I mean? And that's literally how it plays out in the end. So mm-hmm. he's um, the worst serial killer ever. <laughs> this guy quite literally diagrams where he buried the bodies in his prison cell, and Venom sees it. So Eddie, at this point, he's not being the lethal protector he's just kind of hanging out feeding chocolate and chickens to venom to make him survive why uh, do you want to explain that he there's like an special ingredient in brains which he can only find yes. in chocolate which he has to sustain himself and chickens don't give him enough which is why he's so hungry and horny yes. to eat humans he needs their hor- brains. he's he's horny he's not hungry <laughs> it's he's yeah, he is. He's been cold turkey for too long. Yeah. And their interactions are great. We mentioned it. Uh, I I saw this in, I believe it was a Wired autocomplete interview, which is Andy Serkis per- was tapping Tom Hardy with some of the blue tentacles for later to be <laughs> comped out, 
which yeah. I thought was amazing because he's the Andy Serkis gets maligned, and I don't mean this to be dis- discrediting other mocap actors, but Andy Serkis is just a great actor. Period. But he is some. I think he's a genius as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Caesar, who again prop over there. I have it. I think you can barely see him behind me. Where's my finger? He's right there. That's a Caesar Funko Pop. Oh, okay. Because War for the Planet of the Apes created the best modern trilogy. Uh, but besides the point, um, you're right. I What I find really interesting is that when, like, they did something smart in that Tom Hardy, sorry, not Tom Hardy, Eddie Brock, when he's doing the interviews with Cletus, as we're getting to know how crazy this guy is supposed to be, it's he's like he's subdued right venom's not really taking control in any of those interactions so that could have been the opportunity to be like this guy's insane but for some reason i don't know if this like you said it comes down to the script which tom hardy was involved in the story element he's given a story credit i don't Mm -hmm. believe he's actually uh, a writer listed on the screenplay but that was your opportunity to truly show why carnage or cletus is insane but he keeps playing it like I'm just going to call it what I thought it was. It's dollar store Heath Ledger for all of those prison interactions. Yeah, he's not that insane. He can't compete. He cannot act on the level Tom Hardy does. And now it makes sense. Like, I actually went back and watched, like, uh, the Woody interviews. I think our own, too. And he's, like, always, like, propping up how amazing of a talent Tom Hardy is. I think he realized he just got outclassed. (laughs) But also a way better written character, Venom, versus the the current story has not much to do with. But, like, he's too typecast. I I wouldn't put Woody. They should have got someone else unexpected to do this role. Carrot top. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like yeah, actually imagine that. Oh my god. Hey, um, yeah. So uh, Eddie and Venom, they're having issues. They eventually split up. And I, while I enjoyed Venom's parade through San Francisco, I thought it was a little too repetitive on kind of the experience we were getting with Riot in the last film. Which is like, you know all these people die when you attach to them. That's what made Eddie special. But Venom in the club, incredible. I know it's it's spoken to a lot of LGBTQ plus uh, people in that scene where it's all about coming out. And I think that's really, really cool because I'm just going to throw shots because I'm going to. Disney won't ever do that. Warner Brothers certainly isn't going to. I'm... Crossing my fingers, we'll get any form of gay Dumbledore in Fantastic Beasts and the pivot from Newt Scamander. Uh, Secrets of Dumbledore is actually the title. And that part, it's fun. Like, their interactions move the story along. Eddie was almost maligned as a reporter post-Venom. And Patrick Mulligan's like, dude, you're." it's almost like the Superman thing with Lois Lane. Like, why are you always around for all this batshit insanity in San Francisco? And... He uses Cletus's conversations and Venom helps Eddie realize where all the missing bodies are. And this is what gets Cletus on the death penalty. And this is the new origin, which is he gets some of what I would assume, I guess, Venom's blood is mixed in with Tom on yeah. a like biological level, which I prefer than a pregnant symbiote. Yes. It's 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 better. It's cleaner as um it's Justin. a little weird though that 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 it creates a lot of problems now. So every time he takes an injury of some sort, now it means you can just spawn another completely independent thinking symbiote and with no attachment to the host, um, the main well, host. It, you know what I'm saying? It's it's very weird. Like the symbiote lore is so muddy. I don't understand it from the first movie to this one. Well, and it's this is 
maybe a benefit and also a con of this film is that these feel like early 90s movies where you didn't have to as a good example civil war out the law or winter soldier out the logic where you're like wait a minute like they're like just keep going just keep going let's move on to the next thing look venom's making a breakfast <laughs> Actually, well, great scene great scene um yeah. But yeah, all that shit with the Venom, like the, the sloppy, everything is, is awesome. Like actually Venom just doing stuff in the laptop and figuring out stuff. And he's like, I want to be a hero. Also give me brains. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the like, lethal protector. Yeah, like that shit is awesome. That is very like, I get Spawn vibes in the 90s for some reason. It, out of that. It, it, yeah. Hey, that's the one I was thinking of. I'm like, I mentioned Punisher. I mentioned Blade. Uh, it's, it's very Spawn. Spawn. I, I, it's it just obvious like visual like nods, yeah. right? But Well, um, Todd McFarlane, right? So. 100%. There you go. There's a reason I can just that. see the art on the covers, you know? Yeah. Um, that club scene was cool to have Venom kind of speak out on his own, like speaking for people. However, like huge plot hole, right? He's in a club and the music does not affect him. He's in like, the uh-huh. loudest mm-hmm. room he's been in the entire film. And he's just like, he's dancing with glow sticks. I'm like, shouldn't you just be like exploding right now because of all this sound? I and think this film makes a point. <laughs> I don't know if it was some, maybe I just was connecting a dot it didn't provide, which was it had to hit supersonic levels. But like okay. the bell at the end immediately made but me. But the di- alarm goes off in the apartment and he, and he freaks and out. He's like, you know I yeah. I'll, I don't know why, but that always reminded me. Like when he destroys the alarm clock, that reminded me of Amazing Spider-Man. When Andrew gets, when he wakes up the next day, he he hits his alarm clock and it completely explodes. Oh, I, I guess implodes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> so Cletus is. He's just looking for for Francine, Francis. It doesn't matter. It's Shriek. Naomi Harris, good on you. I don't cr- discredit anybody for a paycheck movie because she's given nothing to do. <laughs> she just loves Cletus. Carnage hates Cletus because she makes loud noises. <laughs> yeah. And he wants to kill her. Uh, the prison escape sequence is fun. I enjoyed that. But like I met when I mentioned in the non-spoiler part of the review, it felt just outside of Carnage being red and aesthetically looking more crazy than riot it doesn't feel more violent it didn't feel more crazy i think the coolest thing that carnage does is and this is very comic booky that's not a word but whatever when he opened up and just like let bullets through him like i want to that stuff is insane and that reminded me of stuff that we got in spider-man unlimited which is a terrible show but they really let the symbiotes both of them be these fluid objects as opposed to stuck to some form of like anthropomorphic man or woman. And I'm yeah, so that, that is the unique thing. He's very uh a flexible modular, you know what I mean? In, in a way Venom is not. Venom He's a murdering a jellyfish is what yeah. he is in this. It's all it's tentacles all the time. If you love tentacles, this is the movie for you. I'm so upset Sam's not here though, because and Ryan as well, it when we were discussing the trailers for this and whenever they were released, I I said I'd be willing to bet that we were gonna get She Venom for at least a scene. Because the reaction to that was so strong in the first film. Oh yeah. And we did, and I'm very happy that we did. Yeah, you have one scene. And also we we know, everyone says it. This is this has always been a love story, right? Yep. Regardless of its form. <laughs> yeah. Whose love story? That's the yeah, question. Yeah, I mean, everyone's in the end. <laughs> but it's yeah, true. no, you know, it, it is the Eddie Venom love story. So, so, yes. um, and they definitely play that up. It is, it, it, that is the, the whole, that's the movie that I recommend. It's the Eddie Venom crazy love story elements of a road trip in there. You know what I mean? It's, it's that. Um, yep. And that's amazing. And you don't get that in any other movie, not just Marvel movies. You don't get that in any other movie. So, I, um, 
Oh man, now I want like when Harry met Sally, but when Venom met Carnage, because like they meet and they hate each other, but yeah. then they realize we can kill everyone and rule the world. Um, and so overall, like the I don't sh- yeah. Venom and, and or not Venom, Carnage and Cletus are at bat like constantly arguing but not in like a fun way it's just like i hate your girlfriend i'm gonna kill her and he's like no you can't and that's pretty much what happens with them for the rest of the story they get married and they 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 go on um su- uh like bounty hunting so they collect mulligan who is the cop who shot her in the eye they collect as and, gifts to each other right as so, gifts so. to each other yeah, wedding gifts yeah and then dan shows up they fight I give the Andy and everybody involved. This looks a hell of a lot better than the fight in the la- in the first film. Yeah, like Carnage is aesthetically red, and you lit the environment well, so you can actually see what's going on. It's also a better scene. It was a more closed environment where everything was destructible, and people felt more vulnerable. The first end fight sequence was like that base lab thing they had, and everything was just kind of like generic. Well, and then and they clean. went on to the the uh, the rocket ship, right? Because right, they were going right. to la- do space beam or whatever they're going to do. Yeah. And uh, so ultimately, Shriek is killed. Toxin is somehow created. I don't know exactly how. I almost missed that, except for the eyes. The eyes. Yeah. So I don't know if he bites Carnage or... So I don't know. Like, the science behind... Again, it's it's a comic book movie. It, we could get stuck in the weeds trying to logic <laughs> really, out this his stuff. eyes look more like Shriek's one eye. It's, than that's exactly else. what it's I so thought. I, I, did, <laughs> I was like, why? It's, why? I, I uh venom and um eddie uh they get back together they're gonna work through their stuff this is a long-term relationship in all the best way and they move to hawaii and now before we get into the post credit scene i just have to say that <laughs> I don't like being an amateur in this field. Like, you're a professional. We're so grateful to get professionals in the entertainment industry work uh, coming on our l- nobody's show. But <laughs> being a no- <laughs> Pardon? I said, come on now. There's no difference between you and I. We just talk movies. It's, it's oh, a you're paid. You're, you're paid for it, and I, I pay people. No, I don't I'm pay I'm paid through business analysis now. That's yes, fair. I- <laughs> hey, you started out telling Vic his Iron Man 2 review was not good enough. So oh, Hulk, but yes. Hulk, uh, so, sorry, yes. Yeah, the Incredible Hulk, yeah. <laughs> oh. True. And look um, where we are now. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did write 5,000 articles in my time. That, so. Yes, you did. God, what was and, so they're in Hawaii. Oh, what? Sorry. Everyone was talking like this post-credit scene will change your life. You will trade your firstborn after this post-credit scene. And being me and just kind of connecting dots with everything, we're, we're in full spoiler. So if you don't want to know and you haven't seen it, pause the episode, mute the stream, whatever. I mean, don't go out and be safe. Yeah. Um, but seeing that everywhere and not spoilers, I give nobody's. This was not free guy spoilers being ruined for me. This was it was people were just excited and seeing that I, I thought to myself, the only thing that could justify this is Nathan Drake, a.k.a. <laughs> Tom Holland. <laughs> and that is exactly what it is. So Venom and Tom Hardy are lying on a beach somewhere in Hawaii Maybe Bahamas, it, uh, Caribbean-esque. And they're lying on a bed, and 
What's interesting is this is not where I, it didn't go where I thought it was going to go because at, so Venom and Eddie are having a conversation about. It's a bait and switch. Yeah. It is a hundred percent a bait and it's a great bait and switch because he talks about, oh, the universe and all like we're a hive mind, which again, doesn't connect to any of the other things we've ever seen out of symbiotes. But when he talked about the multiverse, I went, oh shit, are they going to tell us that this is a different version of the Venom symbiote from Spider-Man 3? Because that would have been even more insane. And I wasn't going there at all. <laughs> well, that, yeah, the reason I thought that was because he's going to be on the show next week. But Cade was like, oh, my God, the Venom. And I went, Cade <laughs> loves Spider-Man 3. So, yeah. maybe, like, as this is happening, like, this is what my brain is going through. And so, reality shifts all around Venom. And we look up and we see... I wouldn't put him Mount Rushmore, but he's real close. J.K. Simmons playing the MCU's <laughs> version of J. Of J. Jonah Jameson, and it's the no way, or sorry, far from home reveal yeah. of the costume. So what were your initial thoughts? Like, I, I know you know lots of things, but did you know this going in? Uh... I mean, yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Not, not in the details. It's like, you know, I was not aware of the presentation of it. We just knew sure. this was, was going to be happening. This has okay. been in the cards for a long time. It's also anyone who's a hardcore fan, just based on obvious speculation, like timeline of movies and Sony deal with Marvel. It's like, and does the multi, we're in, there's a couple of new arcs happening within the, or sagas within the MCU right now. And the, the, the biggest one right now, the focus is the multiverse one. So, mm -hmm. We've already seen in a teaser why this would have to happen, right? You know, from the No, Man, no Way Home teaser. So, and there are other things coming out soon or in your future about Doctor Strange, which ties into everything else as well. So, mm -hmm. and, and it all ties into WandaVision and Loki. There's the reason this is all happening now and why things are marketed in a certain order. You know what I mean? It's all timed. So that Absolutely. part of we knew. The sequence itself, I did not know and how they were okay. going to play it out. So it all seems to tie into this Nexus event. Cause like the, the, what happens is that you see like a black wave. Mm -hmm. And everything changes. So the environment around him has changed. He's gone from like this like hidden. It's down. very spider verse y almost. Some he's kind of run down tropical hideout under the radar, and then boom, now he's in like a He's at White Lotus. He's a four star <laughs> resort all of a sudden. It's the same yeah. room, but it's completely done up and nice and the lighting's different and the weather's changed. And it's like, wait a second, what? And someone else is in the room. So he's been obviously pulled into another universe, right? Mm -hmm. And then boom, news report, and it's the same news report from the end of Far From Home, like you say. It's like yes. Peter Parker killed Mysterio, whatever it is. So mm -hmm. um It's a different shot, which I I mean is nitpicky on my part, because it's almost a full body. Mm. And then in Far From Home, it's just a picture uh, it's no sorry he's in a suit in the venom footage which appears to be a shot from far from home because there's a distinct shot of saying he's report from europe where he's like battling Fisterio or something yeah. or whatever I, I don't know i uh, yeah but it's do the, you the, the jameson part is what matters but to back it up though the, the bait and switch is interesting because when like they're having the inner monologue and venom's like yeah, i come from a high mind i'm this cosmic character yeah. like i'm gonna give you a little bit of my, my i'm gonna give you a little bit of knowledge of the universe yeah. i didn't i didn't did he, i don't know if he's did he say multiverse i thought he was just he talking says about from he he i see specifically uses the word universes oh uh, okay so, so he doesn't me, say multiverse i, I read that as like 
in my head, I'm like, oh, they're going to do some kind of cosmic reveal, right? Because yeah. like, we, we know they're absolutely at some point that Venom Planet will be a big part of this. I mean, look what they did in the comics. Like, every character and their mother is a spider variant of some spider character. And now mm-hmm. every character and then some are some sort of Venom variant. They de-venomized every character. It's yeah. just, but also, they had a whole Venom-verse now, and they've converted every character to some kind of venom symbiote and they did a covers of every you know here's the wolverine venom and it's like oh my god like they just they well, took spider-man and <laughs> t- built a whole universe out of this gimmick when there was um, spider-man web of shad yeah web of shadows which was all about the symbiotes taking over what i find most interesting about it and talking about like uh along with your line of work and me just being an absolute fanboy was i am very curious on if during the neg- the breakup of Sony and Disney, if this was one of the sticking points for Sony. What do you mean? What, 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 In, Sony so wanted something? I Yeah, so I, I'd be very... It's how far they planned No Way Home out in advance is... I'm sure there are people who would know that information. I currently don't have it. But that the multiverse was the next phase of the MCU... And in my head, I had never thought that I like we've had discussions about this on your channel and just in general about what they're what the potential could be moving forward with Tom. Like if he's going to be pulled somewhere else, like would he be pulled into this universe? And that gives him his break from the I I think that that is exactly why the whole multiverse concept is a phase four thing. It is like the 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 linchpin of everything else. Right. And you can do anything with it. So so it's their get out of jail free card. So also they can fast track a a spider verse live action version to to, to tie into Doctor Strange. But that could also happen four movies later or not. Not at all, right? So yeah. the idea when that whole thing broke up, uh, even you know, you Kevin Feige was quoted saying, "Hey, this, this Tom Holland Spider Man or Peter Parker is a unique character. He can cross universes." By that, mm-hmm. of course, he meant the franchises, and they they could yeah. still do the Marvel MCU multiverse story and have that as a, as a reason to write out. Oh, Tom Holland got pulled into this other universe, and Sony's like, "Hey, guess what? Now he's in the Morbius and Venom and Sinister Six universe with my characters." And then, if we have a new deal in six years, boom, half his characters are going to go jump back. You know what I mean? Do you and think then- the deal is ever going to end? Because I honestly don't think it's gonna. I, at this point, it's not. Uh, yeah. And if it does, it'll just be it'll be gaps in between other things. Think, but it okay. always renew. So, so the problem is, and this all began with that Sony leak. If you remember the WikiLeaks scandal of twenty fifteen or whatever, twenty fourteen. Which revealed a bunch of things. Yeah, One, it was around the time of the interview. Yeah, that's right. Because the interview yep. got, I had to get pushed to Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of emails in there, uh, not to promote leaks, but like of, of Feige and, and and Amy Pascal and everyone else talking and taking feedback. Simple as giving notes on how uh, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, should and should not do things according to the comics. To, to, to discussions of like, hey, what if we can come to, come to some sort of agreement? Um once that's revealed to the public, you know, Sony will forever have two options. We do our own Spider-Man universe, or we take Spider-Man and put him where he belongs in the universe where the Avengers exist. Mm-hmm. You can never have an idea that's better than the MCU attachment, right? They can just you, cannot. And, and You didn't enjoy what, the dark universe? <laughs> which one? <laughs> you mean like the, uh, the Tom Cruise one that started up? Well, no. If we go way back, there was Dracula Untold. Which I love. That should have been I, the start of the Dark Universe. It should have been, and uh, kind of. I mean, they did, he whatever. And then we had, <laughs> we had the Mummy, 
And then we've had, technically, I believe, if you ask Jason Bloom, you had The Invisible Man. Another great movie. So, directly and told, have Luke Evans show up with The Invisible Man sequel. Oh, like uh, Elizabeth Moss and Luke Evans in a movie. I think the film industry would implode because they make such dramatically different products. But yes, so so I, 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 it's, it is awesome that this is happening, but I've, we, I, you and I had this conversation right after Shang-Chi, which was, I'm totally okay with them taking these giant swings that, ironically, DC is also taking at the same time. But if it's not a good story, I don't care. Like, yeah. I, I loved the Spider-Man film, the, the Raimi trilogy grown up. I'm oh, sorry, the duology. Uh, there's a third film. And I, I really did like parts of the Amazing Spider-Man universe. Mm-hmm. So there is a part of me that wishes somehow this winds up getting Amazing Spider-Man 3 made. But I know that's never going to happen. It, it, that, that, but that's So that's what was on the table, though. So if yeah. Tom Holland's like, ah, I'm going to come back. I'll make my appearance and whatever to set up Sinister Six. And it's all of a sudden, like, oh, guess what? The Spider-Man now, that story yeah. is Andrew Garfield's back. And they can make up for... Because he, let's just say he does not love Sony for what happened, right? So, no, I, t- I totally understand. Um, I thought it would be a really interesting backdoor if the whole Tom Holland thing didn't uh, like wind up working. That you could conceivably say that the, I guess the Morbius trailer kind of threw a wrench into everything, but that Venom was the uh, TS or TAS universe, the Amazing Spider-Man universe, right? Because okay. he's in San Francisco, like. But yeah. regardless, so yeah, things are. It is super interesting that Kevin let Amy bring her toys into his sandbox. So moving forward, it it make it brings up even more interesting questions about No Way Home. Yeah, I, I do wonder this too because like I I was under the understanding inside baseball here that like well just going back a couple of years ago when we're going to the second Spider Man movie like the plan always was that Feige would help. Amy and Sony set up Venom, but didn't mm-hmm. want anything to do with them. Yeah. Uh, and that's well, she famously has those conversations. They're the best press interviews ever, where uh-huh. there are junkets with, I'm sure you guys did them as well, but they were everywhere, where Kevin said, he is not in our universe. And then Amy would be like, we're so excited to be part of the Marvel Cinematic oh, Universe. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. We, we did the, we did, we, yeah. we are responsible for them, those, yeah. Um, <laughs> For sure. We have a lot of great chats with Amy about that. But even I did the the very first like Spider-Man Homecoming set visit and we talked to Amy because they were planning Venom at the time. And she's like, yeah, we're still going to do that thing. It's going to be, you know, its own thing. And like, she couldn't answer. They didn't know. It's in talks. But to your answer, your original question. Yeah. So the answer is like they, they can't disconnect fully because like their universe will never thrive or be as exciting. As soon as they say, oh, we're disconnected. We all hate each other. Everyone's going to be like, oh, forget these guys. Screw them. I mean, we love Tom Hardy, but like that franchise makes no sense. Like you can't build a Sinister Six over there. And it's like, you know, it's Spider-Man is a supposed to be the normal kid living in a world that's so far beyond him. And he's trying to help people. You know what I mean? Obviously, MCU took the opposite path with that. Or he's like techno wizard now, literally. He's, he's billionaire junior system. at this point. Yeah. Well, there's, it's very clear to me. Like if they were to put Parker in the background, I'd be like, he's starting up Parker Industries, take over Stark Industries. And, you know, Mary Jane's going to run the show. Um, and Michelle. Then, Michelle. MJ. MJ. Well, we're going to get I'm sure maybe some Mary Jane from Australia University. Who knows? Kirsten Dunst is going to run Parker Industries for Tom Holland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And some version no, it's going to be Shailene Woodley. What are you talking about? Oh, could you imagine? Oh, my God. Well, 
I, I mean, you know him. I don't know him. But Sean O'Connell's writing his book about the Spider-Man universe. That's right. Moving That's forward, right. which uh, I've seen the cover for, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very excited for. Um, yeah, it's going to be good. Sean's great. Uh, obviously, he wrote the uh, Snyderverse book, so you haven't checked that out. Oh, I, I had mine on display. It's all. It's over there. It's over there. I, I got one too somewhere. I, 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 I read that. I didn't read it. I just bought it because I'm like, hey, it's Sean's book. I want to support this. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I have one more shout out to Sean because he's all, uh, the audiobook is read by George Newbern, who was Superman in the Justice League cartoons. And if it happens, I'm calling credit because I asked Sean if this was going to happen, which is Josh Keaton, who was the voice of the spectacular Spider-Man, who he did talk to for the book. I said he should be he should narrate the Spider-Man book. And he said, oh, my God, that's a great idea. So hey, if that call. happens, I called that. But yeah, so <laughs> well done. The Spider-Man Sony universe of Marvel non-Spider-Man characters is out part of the MCU, which is some. If I had not seen the tweets of the reaction to this, I would have lost money. That this that's was just going it, though. We, we are definitely you and I and everyone we associate with in, in this community. It, it is. It is. You know, it's huge. But it is an echo chamber, and it is small compared to the mainstream. Like the, the the vast majority of moviegoers do not witness or see this, and they don't talk about this on radio shows. It's not part of morning shows. Like the the quote unquote mainstream, where the cash cows are, are not us. So so them saying that if they stick around for, we should say it's a mid credit scene. You don't have to stick around to the very end. That is guys. true. Yes, that's the best part. It is mid credit. It's yeah, after all God. the the fun credits. Yeah. So it's like you don't have to stick around for the whole thing. I see, actually, I, after I watched the mid credits, I was like googling to make sure there's no second scene. Is there? Um, like or a follow up to that? You know what we forgot to talk about? No. How they conclude the final fight? Venom drops an f bomb and straights up eats Woody Harrelson's head. Gets yes. his brains. And he's like, fuck this guy. He just eats his head so quickly. And you're like, oh, good. I'm glad they did that. And he dropped an F-bomb. One of so. the better F-bombs. I would put it up there with the go fuck yourselves from yeah, X-Men First Class. Smart. Uh, I'm glad Sony's doing that because Marvel MCU still not doing that yet. So, um, so Sony's feel- in a position where they can be like the risky and take little weird things. That's They're they the edgy older brother of the MCU. Yeah, because- which, which is what Fox was becoming in, in the mm-hmm. end days, right? So that was oh, cool to see. Days. Yeah. What what the end days in my book are Logan. <laughs> the, or but I guess is, no, like, the, Deadpool 2 technically, I guess. <laughs> but but all of that. Like even yeah. going back to like they brought in Matthew Vaughn to do a 60s based first class X-Men film with F bombs so in it. It's good. like what? That is not normal, right? I um, really wish they had gone with his plan, which was to do Apocalypse Second, because once you introduce time travel, you can't go back. Well, you can go back, but like you can't put that genie back in the bottle and Fox went, no, we're going to direct a movie with an alleged rapist. And then we're going to do another one with him. And then we're going to hire the guy who can't write the dark Phoenix story twice. Oh, but yeah, the, I mean, that's that, just yeah. me being bitter about the end of the, because up until the Logan, oh, we're going to fall. So I, no, I don't want to get into the weeds of that, but yeah. So, um, but you're right. Matthew Vaughn should have had the four movie arc do his thing. Also, yep. going back even further, Matthew Vaughn should have been able to do his three hundred million dollar Thor movie. <laughs> Would have been amazing. So anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm tease for next week episode because I'm gonna talk to Cade uh, Onder from Screen Rant, who's mm-hmm. seeing James Bond as we speak right now. Yeah, I'm gonna ask him what he wants from James Bond moving forward, and I want '60s Bond because modern Bond is only good to a certain point. I like gadgets. It's tough. I have a question for you then. This isn't, okay. not to keep dwelling on other topics, but like, um, when you say 60s Bond, do you, do you want all like the goofiness that goes with it? Like the weird well, style? No, that's, and- I, Matthew Vaughn, 
It's funny because I love the Kingsman movies. I understand why people are that's more it. critical. But that's what you're competing against. You're competing on one side of the spectrum. You have a Kingsman. But will we ever get a... I'm not convinced The Kingsman is ever coming out. I have oh. posters for this film where it's February, November, October, January. That is my new <laughs> mutants. I said that to you when they played that trailer. I'm not convinced it's coming out, but it's this not This is the a weird Disney leftover from the Fox era that they, but it will come out. Um, but but no, yeah. to answer your question though, I mean, or ask the question. Sure. Do you want that? Because the Kingsman and all these Kingsman movies together have that sort of quasi old school bond, but in a mm-hmm. more serious with style. On the other end of the spectrum, if you're lean into like the most extreme Sean Connery stuff, you have like Archer, the TV show. So like, how do you compete yeah. with either of those? You know what I mean? I guess like, in a perfect, I just I the 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 tire break for an analogy that they put on the universe being in the the right, this is now James Bond. <laughs> That's fine. Um, the Casino Royale is the best James Bond movie of all time. I will fight everyone on that. I love the older movies, but rewatching them, the dubbing over half of the people is so annoying. But <laughs> you ha- you limited what was what was done. We almost had no gadgets, but I think they are a part of the story that when they are in the modern era, you lean into silly, which is part of Kingsman's charm. I don't. I think James Bond to differentiate itself should drop like hell. Why not do it? Because everybody is doing it. And I just came up with this off the top. Make him in the eighties because that like everything James Bond could do ever we can do in our phones. And that's not compelling. You just need the right people behind it. Like Kingsman is obviously it's like wacky and violent. I'm th- I was thinking more when I said sixties in the vein of something like first class because Oh, one could one could argue that is the best X-Men movie. Like Logan I is in it it's a different kind of thing. Like I don't qualify it's an X-Men universe movie, but well, it's not like it. Specifically in first class, like the Magneto arc is a cool James Bond type story, right? Absolutely. Like, well, it, and that's they, yeah. And that was left over from the Magneto movie. Yeah. yeah. That would have been incredible. It done under his stylings, right? Yeah, um, something like that. So who knows? I mean, again, I would be, I'm very curious to r- kind of wrap this all up. Um, what we're going to be getting with uh, Venom. I don't even know. Uh, oh, I did enjoy before I wrap this up that we heard Carnage say, let there be Carnage. Because these are the kind of movies you can do that in. Yep. You can't get away with that stuff in the MCU. <laughs> also, the way Cletus was talking, he's always like, yeah, that there be car- it's, it's just like, it, it made sense for him Carnage. to kind of say something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, Woody's just too typecast for that kind of weird, you know, yeah. kind of psychotic, you know? Well, it's, so. it's funny because um, to go back to War for the Planet of the Apes, like he plays a great villain in that movie because he's this broken father who lost his child to the ape virus. Right, but he also he's a competent military dude, whereas yeah. Cletus is just like a psycho. Uh, he's been his whole life has been in a prison since he was a kid. Yeah. He doesn't know anything. You know what I mean? So feel like he got away with everything by accident. And, but yeah, he's so, awkward and cringy. Yeah, so so there's a lot to love about this for all the reasons we discussed. So yeah, I think you mentioned it earlier. Like if if we're, we're doing numbers because the Rickman scale has them. R.I.P. Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. That <sighs> an objective number of this, and again. Does that mean that the movie is better or worse? No, but if I'm if I'm rating this in a bubble, I'd give it like an eight and a half because it does exactly what it wants to, 
And I think a lot of it is successful. And the stuff that isn't good is not good. But out of that bubble, it's a 6 out of 10 movie in general. Like, that's that's what I would say it is. Yeah. Is, is this where I give a number now? <laughs> this is if you would like to. I believe we got Stephen Colbert to give a number who's famous for saying, at, talking about if a movie is good or bad is the least interesting. But he wow. still gave a number for Army that's of the Dead. That's because all he talks about are bad <laughs> movies. He doesn't understand. You know what I mean? <laughs> Shout out to the boys over at Snyder Snyder Minute. <laughs> I mean, they analyze a 30 out of 10 movie minute by minute. We're like, we are four levels deep in cultverse. Um, I love Steven. I'm joking, but not really. Uh, and look out for Rob on the next episode of The Film Junkie. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to fight him on the vodka stream. Uh, no, Steven's great. Dice is great. It's a great podcast. We we uh, They post it sometimes on Screen Man, so check it out if you haven't. Um, it's actually a really fun, cool podcast, So and they're great. Um yeah, I, do you have scores or is it straight numbers out of 10? So I know that Ryan had, he has a breakdown of how he. No, I don't want his crazy schedule. He's like three points for this, two points for that. Okay. No, no, no. No, I'm I saying, just think. Do you do like five and a half out of 10 or it has to be five or six? No, no, you can give point fives if you, okay. if you so choose. Okay. It's, it, it may, it's not work for me. Sam is going to have to create the graphic we're going to throw up later. So I haven't decided what Venom poster it's going to be. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, the easy answer is like a seven out of ten. But I feel like I want to give a little love, you know, seven and a half. Sure. All right. So if I gave it a, I have to do the math now. I never do this. All Six point right, so. seven five is the average. Is it? Yes. One point five right. divided by two, my you man. Says, you're right. I'm. It's been it's okay. a long. Six point seven five. That's our score. Our I've been, score. Right. We are so, Venom reviewers. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like we got enough of we are vet. Like the we is part of my favorite aspect. Whatever. We're done. All right. So that wraps that, up. That's the thing. Because they are kind of separate identities now who have to accept each other versus just like yes. this wrestling merge. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the beauty I sh- of this I would have. Sh- I would have shouted in the theater if it wasn't bad taste when they said lethal protector because I have some of those. I was like, ah, they yeah. said it. <laughs> but uh, so that was Venom. Let there be carnage. Um. We've got about, yeah, I think we can run through some uh, Rise of the Beasts talk okay. if uh, yeah, yeah. you're so inclined. Let's do I it. know uh, we've got a touch. So let's transition into Transformers 37, um, which <laughs> is going to be directed by uh, Stephen Capel Jr., who directed, I think, a, an underrated film in Creed 2. I which love Creed 2. It. it Running Cree, uh, Rocky slash Creed talk real quick. Creed 2 made Drago the definitive villain. And I totally... Screen Rant did an article about it that I totally agree with. It was out on Screen Rant. Mm-hmm. And it is... If you're looking for a fun... I know Thanksgiving for uh, for Canadians, uh, including Rob, is, is coming up. But if you're an American Thanksgiving listener and you want a really fun Rocky marathon, I recommend you do Rocky Balboa, Creed... Rocky Four. I don't know if the Rocky Four director's cut will be out by then. And then you oh, do Creed yeah. Two. So Rocky Four fills in as like a really interesting. It's almost like the Machete cut for Star Wars, but with Rocky. <laughs> so you get the best of what Rocky has to offer, and the best performances, and what should have been an Academy Award winning performance for Sylvester Stallone, but it went to Mark Rylance instead. I'm never gonna get over that. Uh, uh, the beat. Creed 2 is especially great and underrated because like how he handles like s- somewhat tough topics and with subtle scenes are amazing. It's shot really well and the music's amazing. So like I think he's got good stylings for this. And 
I'll say this. I did a special preview event where they announced the title and showed all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he is such an authentic, legit fan, the same way Travis Knight was. So they are picking people who love this material so, 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 so much. Hence, all the G1 stuff we're going to talk about. Right? Yes. So I have listened to all of the Screen Rant Undergrounds back in the day. I don't think you guys got to... Or no, you would have been on Geekle, I think, for the... I believe you guys guys got to the last night. You may have not have, but regardless, I feel like so Chris, we did talk about the Marky Mark one, but the second Marky Mark one, yeah. So yeah, that was the last night. Age of yeah. Extinction is number four, and they're unnecessary long movies. So Bumblebee, we were. It's funny because I don't believe it was when that film was marketed. I don't know who if uh, if you know who did the set visit, but it the. The way it felt presented to myself as a fan was it was just a prequel to Transformers 07. Sort of. They kind of danced the line where it's like a quasi It could have or could have not, it could right? be, you know what I mean? It's, you know. Yeah. But they have to acknowledge the Bay verse and all the craziness, you know what I mean? So, hence, But it feels yeah. like they're pivoting away from that now. Sort in, of. Sort of. I don't know. I, I, I'm they hoping are, that. Yeah. They. If, if you go back to the trade announcements, they don't know exactly what they're doing. They formed a writer's room to pitch all sorts of ideas for not just Which the Which never did anything. For all the Hasbro but they, they just need ideas on the table. And then they greenlit product, not production, but like development on another like Transformers 7 in the Bayverse, but also a follow-up of sorts to Bumblebee. And you're like, wait, what? Wait. So it kind of is the same universe, but they were, they wouldn't lean into it either way. They're just doing like the DC thing where like, we just going to let creators kind of do something and see what sticks to the wall and maybe it'll connect, maybe it won't. And, and I now we end will, on this. I think they will likely be moving forward in a different trajectory, just given off, given from the Age of Extinct, or not, last night made lots of money, but domestically every time the films were making less and less it was not just that it, it killed the ip from like a value standpoint yeah because people don't care about the merch they don't care about licensing nope. it just was not worth anything anymore well you don't that. make cool toys like i have I, yeah he's right there that's a g1 optimus prime oh. next to my power ranger more I, I am from the 90s um <laughs> but <laughs> so we got our first official um set photos with steven um in the middle of a bunch of the Transformers. Yeah. So uh, in the photo, if you're not look, if you didn't look at it, uh, bring it up. It's Anthony Ramos, who is in the film, who's from In the Heights and uh, from Hamilton, is one of the leads in the film. So we see G1 Optimus Prime, which I know makes uh, our friend Ben Kendrick very happy. Hells yeah. And we have Bumblebee in another Camaro, which I know you and I talked about briefly today. Yeah. But we've, we've discussed why that is likely. That has to be Jazz. In the gray and blue. Sorry, the the, the gray and blue on the left? Yeah. That's or is that Mirage? Mirage? That's Mirage. Yeah. Mirage. Okay. And then I'm assuming it's RC in red. The RC is there. Yep. And then who's, is it, um, who's the winner, the, the Volkswagen in the back? Um, uh, that wasn't it, shown to it, us. Is that, uh, it's not Cliff Jumper. It's, um, Wheel is it Wheeljack? Maybe because I don't believe we've been we've had Wheeljack in a film yet. Uh, because it's I did not overly enjoy Bumblebee. It's by default the best Transformers movie, but the Generation One versions of these characters are the most iconic, and I'm glad. I that don't they know. I mean, I can tell them. you. Let's go through the characters we know, and I'll tell you the ones they told us during the event. All right. Well, uh, let me. All right, Transformers. <clears throat> so the only one we don't know here is the the Volkswagen in the back. 
The Volkswagen in the back. All right. So we do know I have more props, but they're too far for me to go get them. Um, so we've got obviously Optimus Prime, uh, Bumblebee, Mirage, RC. It is Wheeljack. So I was right. It's Wheeljack. Wait, the uh, is the is Volkswagen Wheeljack? van? Yeah. What? That's what it's. That's what it says on Wiki. It's got two sources. So. Oh, interesting. Uh, let me confirm with the source of the citation on Instagram. Uh, oh, they've been tagged. Okay. Uh, all right, cool. And then in the second one, it would appear to be. I'm guessing mega. There's like I didn't share the so, second photo, but there it on the left on the left is Nightbird. Um, okay. Who's a character? I think I think is a fe- the other female character. I think yeah. Uh, and then I think she. They they straight up said she's gonna be fighting uh, on both sides. She switches. It's sides. not list. Oh, oh, I guess we got Mac. Let me go back to the wiki. I, so we have Scourge, Nightbird, and Orange General Motors truck. Thanks, thanks Wikipedia. That helps me a lot. Um, yeah. yeah so Scourge they showed us and Optimus. And yeah, okay. And we know Optimus Primal, Rhinox, uh, and Air Razor. And Air Razor. Yes. So um, I don't know. Oh, and Cheetor. Cheetor is listed. So I have my Beast Wars action figures there. These are the the reprints from Transformers. Um, I don't remember what they called it. It was Siege, Earthrise, Kingdom. It was called Kingdom. That's what it was called. The, the tub, the second from the bottom right there, is full of yep. Transformers toys. I have nice. tons in there. Yeah. And I have t- my favorite character from Beast Wars is Tigatron, who is like a little of bit course. of a he's logo of character. He, well, he only appears I, here and there. Yeah, he's he's the Tommy of the Transformers universe. The best and most powerful. Best yeah, exactly. Be. Yes. And so, <laughs> how are you? How are you feeling moving into the Transformers films? Into the, so so in, we're getting Beast Wars, which like for for you, for our generation, this is amazing. a big deal, right? It, Beast Wars also immensely. Well, that's tougher now, but it was immensely rewatchable years later as well. Just a great, mm-hmm. great, great, great show. Well, the story is the is the element of the show that I would say. Re- keeps the show credible because the obviously the visuals are horrendous by today's standards. Nah, but man, at the time you're like, oh my god, this is 3D, and then later on they just went for it, tied it into the original lore, and you're like, oh my god, mm-hmm. and it actually worked. So, yeah. um, they did such a great job with that show. It's super. It's something I watched when it first came on, and then I kind of like, I bounced off of it. And then remember mm-hmm. the follow up shows where they just changed them to like other. Well, there was there, went there was to- Beast Wars, and then there was Beast Wars like Rise of the Metals or something, Ugh. which was when they all got metallic, which Awful. was still on Earth, which I didn't necessarily have a big issue with. At the um, time, I did though, because it felt like the whole point is they're animals, and now they're like they're shiny half cars. It was yeah, it wasn't it, they weren't hiding anymore. It was because they they were, and then I think what you're specifically referring to is Beast Wars. No, Beast Machines. Beast yeah. Machines was when they went back to Cybertron through I'm like out. a time portal. Yeah, I'm it was. Out. It was very. <laughs> so, um, what's most interesting for me about this is so Peter Cullen is, is he's been Optimus Prime since '84. Yep. And love it or hate what he's had to say in the Bay films, I'm still glad he's he is going to be Optimus. Yeah, they brought Prime. him back. They said they am like we can't do Optimus without him. I'm like that's a bold yeah. move. I mean, you're locked into this guy now for the rest of the franchise. Yeah, so. I'm hoping Frank Welker gets to do Megatron because I love that raspy sound. It's just yeah. it's <laughs> Starscream. It's perfect. Uh, um, I don't it's know if we'll good. get. Char- Thank you, Charlie Adler as uh, a Starscream, but Ron Perlman, who was cast as 
Optimus Primal in Kingdom, they're bringing back. And Ron Perlman, he's no stranger to voice acting. He was Clayface in Batman the Animated Series. He, he voices was, video games, follow, you know? He's Hellboy. So I'm I'm this is I am so cautiously optimistic with this. So it's cool to see the Gen 1. I am probably gonna buy that toy of Optimus Prime. That's the I, point, my man. I know, and it works. These the, I mean the whole thing is toy commercial, so I, I am excited for that. Um, Do you have any final thoughts on how, like, where I'm hyped too because they're doing it the right way now. They're taking their time Mm -hmm. a little bit and they're choosing like very specific filmmakers who offer something very specific and who, first and foremost, they're coming from the love of the material first and talent. Whereas Bay came in as like this super bombastic producer director. He didn't give a shit about the characters or stories, right? Or Steven and Travis Knight. I'll never forget. I had the package. I wish I could show you where it was. Travis, they sent me for Bumblebee because it was an 80s themed thing. They sent me like an 80s boombox as a cardboard package, Hasbro. Mm-hmm. And it's full of a bunch of like Bumblebee toys in the movie. But when you, it, it unfolds, like the box itself was a transformer. And you open up the first middle flap and it get in, mm-hmm. in, in it. And there's like a huge letter written by Travis Knight. And he's talking about his childhood, what it meant to him, what it, why it was important to do this for him in his way. And it was like, I, I fell in love with him. Like, this is, this mm-hmm. is incredible. This movie. There's no way it's going to be bad with what he's saying and knowing his talent from his like at work, right? Um, yeah. And that movie was super solid. It was perfect for what it was trying to do. I wish that came before the other movies because people would have respected it more. Before I wish doing- Haley, Haley, not Atwell, Steinfeld. Steinfeld. You mean I Hawkeye? wish her character was remotely likable because I didn't think she was at all. Sorry, we're being... Okay, <laughs> Moon, there was a Twitch hack... I don't know. I don't really have a comment. I changed my password and made sure to authorize dual verification. I don't have oh, anything I else. Do <laughs> I don't have anything else to say. Don't I think my stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Moon, who's in our chat right now, twitch.tv slash the question beyond. I'm really, uh, we've been, t- uh, I know Moon and I were talking about Transformers. It's, I feel that for fans of the, a generation one and beast wars we hold this stuff on such a higher regard than any like i've watched every transformer show probably shouldn't have watched some of them but did anyways but i feel that if they can't get it going again i don't care anymore like i will always have the stuff to, like and it but hearing stuff or hearing that from you that like Stephen Capel Jr. is such a fan, that's great because the one of my biggest issues with the Bayverse is just the big shit they took all over the lore. So I what I need to see at some point in these movies is a planet-sized fucking robot. I mean, you don't have Orson Welles, but get somebody like that. Hell, get Gary Oldman or something. Warner Herzog. <laughs> Warner Herzog. I yeah. would pay $40 for a movie ticket if it was... I mean, he did The Mandalorian. That's Why what I'm saying. He? This is yeah. Moen. He's a great voice actor. So he did Simpsons, I, um, right? So, I mean, everyone does The Simpsons. True. True, true, true. So, um, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm... The best part about Bumblebee, I don't know if it's really debatable, is that opening where you see an actual Cybertron, an actual action that's coherent. Yeah, that was cool. So... If uh, if if Steven learned anything, I know he and he was handpicked by Ryan Coogler for Creed two. So yeah, no, the guys got it and he spoke yeah. well and the presentation. They were like really into the lore and the characters and they had the Predacons, everything. Right? They, they, they mm-hmm. tell you like this is for Transformers fans. We're hyped. We're doing it our way. Hell's yeah! And uh, like you said, maybe it is a setup for like a Beast Wars type movie, Beast Wars Part One and Beast Wars Endgame or whatever it's gonna be. Um, 
you know, uh, Beast Wars versus Rust. But to answer the premise of this, like, you know, Transformers is not going anywhere. It's one of the most valuable IPs that Paramount can distribute, right? So, mm-hmm. and they are still, as you know, trying to get up all these Hasbro properties, right? We saw Snake Eyes come out. It, it is did what it is. Come out. It, <laughs> I can't sure confirm. <laughs> they will make budget follow ups. Um, I think this movie is on a whole other scale, and I don't think they can mer- <clears throat> merge universes. But if they did G.I. Joe proper, the proper budget, and took that seriously, the same way they're taking this seriously now, and then Mask and Micronauts, all these other characters they have, they could die- finally do that super universe we're talking about. But, but Does Hasbro own Street Biker Mice from Mars? I I don't know. That's what I want. You're asking the wrong questions, though. You're, the question <laughs> is, who owns Dino Riders? It's not Hasbro. That's true. That, that That's would- got to be Mattel, right? Or is it... Play. That's the movie. I had literally looked into the rights to that. Of like, I, I was gonna, I'm like, we have to. I can I buy producer. these? I'm like, can we like pay money for this and make a movie? Like, you want to be Michael Uslan who bought I, the no joke, Batman I rights? To, I talked to a known producer and he was gonna look into it, and then I saw some trade where someone picked up the rights, and I was oh, like, that's unfortunate. Damn it! And it's like, this was my moment. Uh, anyways, well, we talk a lot about <laughs> rights and IP, and one IP that. Probably, I wouldn't say saved HBO, but made HBO even more of a monolith than they were before was the most successful show of all time. Probably it's right. It's, it's up there. It's I, I, there's, there are generational iconic TV shows like this and they happen every 10 years. And it's the show that becomes the quintessential event television where everyone talks Waiting between seasons is crazy. The talk between episodes is crazy. The one before this was lost, right? Um, same thing. It was just crazy. It changed it. People, every, the, it lost started a new thing with AR or not AR. The uh, you know I'm talking about that the, uh, the social the ga- media stuff. No, yeah, a little bit. But like the, the games you play online, like you call a number and it takes you to this website. You find a secret. And it all ties into the lore of the show and the others and. Oh and yeah, it's fan base interaction. Like the Matrix had the Matrix.com. Yeah, and, they, and like they had Lindelof and Cuse, Carlton Cuse doing like podcasts before podcasts were a thing on like the ABC, like their little mm-hmm. tiny forum that no, you know what I mean? It was it was crazy, and like that show was insane. It had people talking and thinking about the idea of cliffhangers were never played up like that ever before. Um, mm-hmm. And Game of Thrones was the next super mega event that crossed thresholds and brought in everybody from every demographic into it you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. uh that's what game of thrones was when it when it started anyways the first five seasons but when they had books yeah to base the stories off of when it, when it was yeah planned out <laughs> yeah i feel very bad for the writers of the show post the books because having to essentially create hour-long tv off of sentences from george r R. martin must have been incredibly frustrating given the length and detail of those books so i i still really loved game of thrones it's a great five season show that kind of peters out each season at a time leading into eight but i don't know if it is a world that i am excited to go back to and i didn't really feel that from the trailer what were your initial what was your initial thought to what we do see in the game of thrones house of the dragon i guess announcement trailer yeah it's definitely a teaser trailer it's more of a tone setter like hey remember this universe here are the look here are the people with the crazy white hair you know what these guys are right you guys like targaryens it's like you know what i mean um it's more like a reminder saying hey this is this game of thrones is still here here's what it was like beforehand we're teasing dragons again of course it's called house of the dragon um 
it was fine. It doesn't get me hyped, but like I'm certainly interested. It's like you know what it's like. Uh, I don't know if you've watched Vikings the first couple. Of seasons. I have not watched Travis Vikings. Vikings. It's a no. great, great show. I think you'll really appreciate it. The music's amazing. It's it's actually a co-production in Canada as well. So it's a, a lot oh, of cool. Canadian talent involved with that. It's amazing. Um, well, the guy thing. from Vikings is in heels. Uh, Alexander Ludwig. Yep, that's right. Right, because he's he's I think he's Swedish and Canadian. Sorry, and, and uh, he's he's a really cool dude, and he's very tall. He's also in Bad Boys, the latest one. Um, great movie too. Uh, Bad Boys for life. But they're doing the same thing. Like that, like, it's it's like that is like Game of Thrones, but for like, like a tenth with of the History audience. Channel's budget. Uh, yeah, but but the, it's the show. I mean, they brought that thing owned a Comic Con. They had a huge booth, all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. They had a huge panel. It was huge. It's just not Game of Thrones huge. Game of Thrones Game of Thrones was mainstream huge. Vikings is like geek huge, you know what I mean? Would you but, say it's like Black Sails? Uh, actually, probably. It's very much in, in that vein, I think. Yeah. And I haven't even seen Black Sails, but 100%. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, our, our main Andrew Dice from BVS Minute is like, obsessed with that show. He's been recommending it to me for many, many years. Um, I would I, also recommend it to you. <laughs> I will watch it. I think that's probably exactly along the lines of Vikings, right? Um, mm-hmm. Vikings is really, really cool. And so they found some really cool talent for that show. But pointed it so the, the way house of the dragon is the game of thrones like this prequel set 200 years earlier is what but the new viking spinoff coming to netflix is the vikings oh. um exact same situation where it's like and they did the same sort of thing where it's like this tone setter this teaser and it's like well, i don't really know these characters and the story's kind of over you know what i mean but but it's like it could be great you know who knows um i well, i i felt it so for things that uh, I was able to kind of connect it to just based on what we is very. I mean, they're going to keep everything a secret, which was old, Rep- um, old the old Republic Star Wars style, right? Where there's things that are loosely based, but the the plot line for the show confused me in that it said it set 200 years before and will be discussing or leading to the end of the Targaryen reign, which is 200 years. So please don't tell me we're getting the show for 20 seasons and there's like decade hops. I don't want that. If you can tell me a compelling story with new original Targaryens, I'm totally on board for that. Yeah, I don't know how they're handling timeline. I'm not uber familiar with the lore beyond the show, right? Mm -hmm. I don't remember all those details, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess they could do time jumps between seasons. Vikings did. Vikings took a okay. leap where it's like first season to second season. Like Alexander Ludwig, when you first meet him, he's like a baby or a boy, a toddler in the first season. Oh, cool. Then he, then he skips 10 years and then, he's, then he becomes in season three, it's Alexander Ludwig. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's Who's four. a baby face version of him. <laughs> and then it's him like all ripped up and Viking. And it's like, oh my God, he, you know, you see his whole 40, 50 year old, year old life go go through in four seasons. You know what I mean? Interesting. That's really cool. Um, so that, I suppose they could do that with this. Um, I mean, the sets don't have to change, right? That shit lasts forever. So the, mm-hmm. the throne. Um, by the way, that was an interesting shot with the extension of the throne with all the melted swords all the way across. Yeah. I guess I'd read somewhere that I, I have never read the books. I have friends who are still waiting for the books to un- to come out. I, uh, I, I pity them slightly because I just don't think they're ever going to come out. But I guess it's more book accurate, this version of the Iron Throne. Okay. Which meaningless. I, meaningless <laughs> yeah. to me. So, yeah. I'm, cool. <laughs> I'm on board for, I mean... We've got Crave up here. That's where we get our HBO content. So yep. all I'm going to ask of Crave before uh, we wrap this up is, can I please just watch this in 1080 at minimum? Yeah, because I mean, most on. of the stuff is 720 and it's 2021. So I, I don't know if I'm excited, partially because a lot of this trailer is Matt Smith, who I hold nothing against. But I do. Okay. Because <laughs> of Terminator Genesis, another yep. Alan Taylor product. <laughs> 
And Doctor Who. I'm not a fan. I don't blame him for Terminator Genesis. This is everyone who listening to this will know this. I blame James Cameron. I don't know if you remember this, but sitting in our Cineplex theaters, one of the promos was James Cameron saying, if you love Terminators, you're going to love Terminator Genesis. And I sat there and I didn't. <laughs> I didn't like any of it. Do you know who doesn't like that movie? The whoever made that trailer where they revealed. Oh <laughs> my god! Oh, is John a Connor. fucking Terminator. Like what? Ugh. Oh my god! Yeah. So I'm game. I don't know if this is gonna. So um, Moon in chat saying he's never seen Game of Thrones. This is not. I don't know if this is. This is unlikely gonna pull anybody in. It's the same thing with the remake of Kotor, Knights of the Old Republic. It's for people who are in love with this stuff beforehand, and hopefully you can. Yeah. This is by the time this comes out. This is over a decade since Game of Thrones began, which is crazy when you think about it, right? Right? So it's like uh, that, that yeah, twenty seasons. twenty yeah twenty ten. So, so and that's a long time. So this is this is hitting a new generation of people, and it's going to be a big HBO thing, right? Westworld's coming to an end finally with one more season. I don't know what they're going to do with season four, but um, yeah, it's so going to be the Matrix. This is just going to be like everything was a simulation. Here's the one thing that gives me hope, and it's a weird thing to say, but they commissioned the same thing with Transformers. Right? So many scripts, they were ready to do like five pilots, and this mm-hmm. is the one that won out, just won the lottery. So this is the one they yep. have confidence in, and. You have to believe with HBO, who generally does a pretty good job with their prestige TV. I mean, everybody, watch Watchmen. Watch The Wire. Come on now. This is a whole... Watch those first five seasons of Game of Thrones. This shit is on another level, right? When I'm going to throw in Warrior, which they took from Cinemax. Warrior. Okay, I still haven't seen Warrior. You always recommend it. Um, it's I on do. my list. Um, but this one, you got to hope. They've learned from what happened in the end, and they have more creative freedom, obviously. So maybe this is great, you know? And HBO, pretty good at confirming those casts. And Matt That's Smith true. aside, I'm, I'm joking with Matt Smith. I'm sure he's great. I met him once in IRL. He was super nice. Um, but uh, that's good to hear. I'm sure. I'm sure it's gonna be cool. I'm, I'm interested. I'll watch it. I, I mean, you know, they have to earn the hype back. But maybe, maybe that first couple episodes, and you know, going to Game of Thrones one. My brother told me all about it. But I didn't know anything. But as soon as I saw like Ned Stark and the wolves, and you get two episodes in, you're like, oh, it's kind of cool. And then it got crazy cool. A season two or three. You know what I mean? That's when everyone picked up. But it took a while to get there. You know, um, I didn't watch any of the show for the first three, four, five seasons. No. What? When, sorry, when, spoilers for a 10-year-old, 12-year-old. When did Jon Snow die? Was that the end of five? Snow dying? That's It could be the very end of five. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't watch any of it. Yeah. Like the first five seasons, just watch any of it. And then I think the week after five it ended, a bunch of my friends were like, you watch everything. How have you not watched this? And I'm like, all right, fine. And I plowed through all five seasons in like a month. I, I almost don't believe you. Like, were you just not plugged into the world? Like, how did you miss? Well, this? it was like so. Fantasy in general has like I'm I'm a comic book guy. I love science fiction and like traditional fantasy has never really been my bag. Harry Potter I would qualify as my favorite fantasy franchise. Like, I don't oh. love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> each to their own my <laughs> wife loves lord of the rings um sam loves lord of the rings yes very much so not and Hobbit, so lord of the rings yes lord of the rings yes i mean he is so you know what he is he's an apologist for the hobbits like a lot of people are for the star wars prequels. that's messed up even people it, who made those movies would disagree with him <laughs> um so over this christmas break i will be watching the extended cuts for the first time of the ho- of the not the hobbits of the lord of the rings trilogy so those are actually high, good those are good yeah high concept fan not high con- but like what I would classify as traditional fantasy, I never had a connection to. And I think a lot of that can come to as well from like what you're exposed to. Like my dad, 
he was a Star Wars, Indiana Jones, like comic guy, action movies sure. and whatever. So I didn't really. And Harry Potter was the first time that I kind of like plugged into fantasy. And after Harry Potter, I didn't really dive in, like into any of it at all. And the benefit to me actually was when everything was happening, I would hear about it. But the way that my brain works, I didn't. Um, I, I, I likely processed what people like. I remember the Monday after the Red Wedding, everyone was talking as you would, given the event that occurs in the uh, end of third season. Jeez. But I heard things and I didn't none of it stored in my in my de- in my back catalog of memory like not my um i can't i now i've forgotten the villain malekith like the like it just it wasn't there i couldn't i couldn't find it in my sherlock mind palace so by the time i got to the show everything was new nothing was the only thing i knew was Jon snow died that was it i was like so getting to there was really exciting um so if they can tell us a compelling story and the characters are interesting, that's by the, at the end of the day, that's all I care about. This universe is ripe with possibilities. It's just, do they, like you said, if this is the one that got through, I'm really hoping this is as special as the early days of Game of Thrones. It, it, yeah, I mean, we know the world, right? So mm-hmm. the, in Game of Thrones really is, is this, it, it, it is a game. Right, it, it, and by Game of Thrones, it's this political turmoil, and it's it's, it's all about the characters. So that's the part I can't. We know the world's gonna be great. Visual is gonna be amazing. They're gonna spend all the money in the world on the cast and the effects mm-hmm. and everything else. It's gonna be amazing. How good is the writing and the acting? That's what it yep. comes down to. We Absolutely. can't speak. And it's like the story is almost irrelevant. It's like because you can't spoil the emotional impact of a well-told scene. Right? It's like nope. this is a weird analogy, but I always give it to everyone. Well, two examples. One, we all knew we all knew going to James Cameron's Titanic what the hell was going to happen to that ship. It's irrelevant. What, what happens in Titanic? I haven't seen it. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, man, I got a story for you. <laughs> Not many people got out of that one. Uh, ships that can't sink, they say. Should have um, saved. Should have made space for no. Jack but the, on the, the door. real one, the real one is Spider-Man: Homecoming. Like I mentioned earlier in our Spider-Man chat, that was my. I did I did that set visit because it was like you know it was a big deal. Spider-Man coming to the MCU. Because it was a Sony production under Marvel, it was a different thing. Everyone knows Marvel Studios under mm-hmm. Disney is infamously hyper secretive to the point where it's ridiculous. They just won't they, they want shock value for everything. Everything has to be a spoilery gimmick, you know, cliffhanger. Well, we discussed we had a conversation to connect Spider Man about what we may or may not know about No Way Home. And given yeah. what may or may not be true and the things that you and I do know that sounds great, but if it's not compelling, then I don't care. Right. Yeah, 100%. Um, with the homecoming thing, the, the point is like they had, I think Eric Carroll was his name. They had a producer for Sony instead of the usual Marvel guys. And he was open, unlike everyone else. Because most studios talking about a movie, they want to tell you about the story and what they're planning and why they did this. And Marvel's like, no, no, no. Just hide everything. Hide the art. We're just going to say very basic marketing points. And it's kind of like, oh, you get to see cool sets, but that's it. But this guy walked us through the entire story. The storyboards the entire film. I knew exactly what was going to happen. We knew the final scene, intro scene. We knew Iron Man was showing up, what those scenes would look like, the angles of the cameras, everything. Didn't spoil the damn thing for me because you cannot spoil Mm -hmm. the interactions of like the main three. You know what I mean? Of of MJ and that that whole cast of kids and Michael Keaton's performance was so next level beyond what you'd expect that 
you, you cannot spoil those bits of dialogue and the emotional impact and the fear Tom Holland felt in the car with Michael Keaton or mm-hmm. the jokes and, and the laughs and the heart and, 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 his, and Marissa Tomei's performance. Like you, you cannot spoil any of that. I don't care. Spider-Man goes here, fights dude with wings, Iron Man flies in. That's all useless. It's not a spoiler. Who cares who shows up? How good are those scenes and will you remember them? Which goes back to the whole point of a review. That's why I think I put this Eddie Brock Venom on another level. You cannot spoil like fuck the mid credit scene what Eddie did in his apartment and walking in the hall and interacting with Cletus in the prison those scenes are so well acted and Eddie mm-hmm. himself why he gets a story credit because I bet on the fly he's messing with his dialogue in the morning Tom Hardy I mean and like yeah. and like trying things out I bet he's like improvising a ton of that with Andy Serkis and that that was the movie he did such a great job with that and so um that's the only thing that matters. We know this production is going to be through the roof, but will Matt mm-hmm. Smith and company have a good story and really good scenery and really well edited with a great score? We know a great score. The production value is going to be insane. But can they I hope it's scenes? the same composer. Um, Maybe. I don't know. I can't pronounce his name off the top of my head. I know who it is. He did the Iron for Iron, first Iron Man, and he also composed Westworld. So, yeah. but um, Oh, great. Westworld does a good job with that, too. Um, yes, very good job. But, so uh, Yeah. So, there you have it. So, so yeah. I mean, it's 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 purely character driven can they get that right it's original story we'll see it's exciting that part is exciting so well in general i think it that kind of common is a great way to wrap up everything we've talked about today slash tonight depending on when you're listening to this or viewing the vod in that there are so many the story potential for a lot moving forward with the mcu and specifically spider-man no way home we know that's the next spider-man anything we're getting because morbius currently has no or it has a date but it's later yeah to my knowledge so that will likely explain the what we've seen in the trailers for morbius but the rumors being out that the all three spider-men are going to be in it like you said if we if you know that if you don't if they show this, show that in a teaser, that'll be a great moment in the trailer. And a similar thing that, like you were talking about with the MCU stuff, like seeing Spider-Man in that Civil War trailer for a lot of people was a reveal. For for you and I, it was not, but it was what Tom Holland did in the movie. And I feel the exact same way moving into No Way Home um, to end our Venom thoughts. In that, I just want those scenes between Toby, Andrew, and Tom, if they're happening to be some of the best writing for Spider-Man, period. Because if they don't nail those scenes, then it was a completely wasted opportunity. And the same sort of stuff with Transformers. You're going to have two Optimuses interact, and that better be some of the best shit Transformers has to offer. Oh, I always said that about Transformers. Like, I, for like going back to the, the Bay movies, the first one, like, I really dug, like, the Transformers 1 in 2007, like, in, in the big screen theater, was like, oh my god, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Even though there were super dumb cringe moments, like Michael Bay's and really awkward bits but man those scenes were cool and i was like why don't why isn't there a scene where optimus has his crew at a round table and they just shoot the shit for 10 minutes show me these guys interacting so you I you want the age of ultron scene <laughs> with the with the with the maximals and autobots is what you're yeah, saying but the age of ultron them hanging out at a bar and then them hanging out at clint barton's house are the best scenes of that whole phase, maybe like the, the, the best character interactions. That it's is definitely that the most growth. So, and that's what I think Transformers needs the most. And like we said, that's what Game of Thrones needs the most. Yeah. Rob Keys, I am so grateful. You're a friend uh, for, of the show and of myself personally, and very grateful you came back for onto the show. I know you're totally. a very busy man, so thank you for sparing the time that we did have. Um, I know people can check you uh, out on Twitter. The verified 
Rob underscore keys. Do you want to K-E. spell that for people? Yeah, it's K-E-Y-E-S. An extra E in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at failcube on Twitter, on YouTube. Does Moon run the Twitter? I've always wanted to ask that. Or is that you? What, the failcube Twitter? Yeah. No, I I, oh, I, okay. I barely use it. It does exist. <laughs> I use it once a week, maybe. I should use it. It's got like 5,000 followers for some reason. But yeah, yeah I'll, I'll use it. But uh, yeah, and it's failcube on Twitch is where you see me play games at night. Yes. Um, Rob as soon as we're done today is going to be jumping more into battlefield. So check it out that the, this upcoming week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Week there's, it's like four or five days. I unfortunately yep. will not be able to be playing hi- that with him because there's no cross play yeah. for the beta, which is slightly disappointing, but um, I, uh, I'm Kyle, AKA Lugan 17 going to be streaming. I'm trying to get more ghost of Tsushima out. It's a very long game and my real job eats up a lot of my time that I would <laughs> like to stream, but I'm uh, I'm going to be off this week because it is Canadian Thanksgiving. Um, if you want to see me attempt to be good at Call of Duty, you can find that on Rob's channel, likely a bunch next week, oh, yeah. uh, the, the date of this VOD. Uh, other than that, upcoming next week, we have, it is finally time to die, the <laughs> 26th and final James Bond film starring Daniel Craig. Like I said at the top of the show, we're, I'm very fortunate that uh, the Quest Beyond crew is going to be joined by Cade Onder. I'm going to mock him relentlessly about his cooking <laughs> because he does that to himself. But yeah. that wraps it up. Thanks for follow, uh, following on Twitch. Moon, you're a, you're a, a great m- commenter as always. Uh, please be sure to subscribe on your podcast channels. Send us any form of review. Any criticism is great. I love constructive criticism. It's the only way to get better. Check out Screen Rant, Game Rant, CBR, Collider, the Collider, Gamer, MUO, the Gamer, Android Police, Hot Car, yeah, the Sportster. Keep yes. on going, keep on going. Uh, uh, <laughs> the reason I'm doing this right now is my discovery of the Screen Rant Underground, which led me to the website itself. So if you are looking for the best news and curious about what we're going to be talking about on the show, I guarantee you there's an excellent article there. Mm. That does it for this week. I will see you next week for No Time to Die. Thanks for hanging out. And we will... Oh, I almost forgot. The quest has been good, but we've taken it beyond. <laughs>